You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of the Lego Movie 2, the second part. Once, everything was awesome. Now, everything is bleak. Hey, Lucy! I brought you coffee! Coffee. The bitter liquid that provides the only semblance of pleasure left in these dark times. Oh my goshness, did I interrupt you brooding just now? Times have changed. You need to change with them. We have to be tough and battle ready. Look, a shooting star, make a wish. <gasps> oh no. Run! Ah! Hurry, the door is slowly closing. <laughs> oh, the pain. It's getting so cold. Emmett, what are you doing? Hooray! See, that wasn't so bad. Nothing got in. Ah, something got in. I'm General Mayhem. Bring me your fiercest leader. Lucy! Emmett! Ah! This is all my fault. Hang on to your fronds, Planny. We're going to save Lucy. Don't you tell me to save Asteroid! Mind if I save your life? Not at all. Who are you? The name's Rex Danger Vest. Galaxy defending archaeologist, cowboy, and raptor trainer. <laughs> I don't get it. Will you help me rescue my friends? You don't want to go anywhere near the Sistar system. It's ruled by an alien queen. Only the toughest are going to get out of there alive. Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? <laughs> yes, you are. I'm a queen, whatever I would not be. I'm getting super evil vibes here. I could change my form to something else if this makes you uncomfortable. Hey, guys. No, go back. The horse was much more palatable. I got a payphone and a playphone. I got to get it, baby. <laughs> no, it did not. A1, hit him with the A1 song. Say <gasps> day one, not the A1 side. Lucy! Emmett, did you draw stubble dots on your face? What? No. <laughs> Are you? I'm your worst nightmare. You're me when I'm late to school and I forgot my homework and my pants are made of pudding? No, I don't. All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for the Lego Movie 2, the second part, and the story is as follows. The citizens of Bricksburg face a dangerous new threat when the Lego Duplo invaders from outer space start to wreck everything in their path. The battle to defeat the enemy and restore harmony to the Lego universe takes Emmett, Lucy, Batman, and the rest of their friends to the faraway, unexplored worlds that test their courage and creativity. The film is starring Chris Pratt, Elizabeth Banks, Tiffany Haddish, Will Arnett, Stephanie Beatrice, Charlie. Day, Allison Brie, Nick Offerman, and Maya Rudolph. It is directed by Mike Mitchell, written by Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Joining me for this review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Everything's not awesome. <laughs> are you, you going to help? Are you going to help me sing the song? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> oh. Well, I guess you don't finally get Radiohead. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That was by far, I think, the hardest I laughed her in this movie when they actually said that during that song. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> All right, getting getting back on track here. The Lego Movie Two, the second part. Uh, we just recently reviewed the first Lego film. Uh, it had been the first time that I had actually seen that film since it originally 
showed up in theaters a few years ago. And I quite enjoyed my uh, second viewing of it, maybe not as much as the first film. And I think that's a lot to do with the fact that the Lego movie has kind of played around with a formula that they have established since the first film. It's very, very fast. Uh, the jokes come at you at full force, and it kind of weirds you out in each movie, even like a Batman movie, uh, which is a, which is probably, I think, maybe the most entertaining one of all of them. I don't know. Uh, I think your uh, you know degree of preference there might vary, but either way, I think they all kind of follow a very similar formula, and they all kind of have very similar problems in a way. The Lego Movie 2, the second part for me, suffers from a very new problem uh, that the other films did not suffer from because this is a direct continuation of the Lego Movie from 2014, and that is that the surprise factor, the surprise factor this time around is missing. And I say surprise factor because, as we talked about, Josh, in our review, there was a third act twist in the Lego Movie involving humans in the real world. And in this movie, that's kind of already apparent this time around. So I'm curious to know right off the bat, you know, with that criticism out in the open there, uh, if you shared a similar feeling about this movie that, you know, it kind of lacked that that spark and that uh, that surprise factor that the first film originally had. Yeah, I ultimately do agree with you that this movie just doesn't feel like it has the same amount of kind of discovery to it it doesn't have the same energy that the first movie had and it would be difficult for any movie to match up to that especially because the first lego movie we were all very surprised by going in with very low expectations or relatively low expectations and it's hard to match that uh surprise that you get for the first film ultimately i think knowing kind of the gimmick behind it now does take some of that away for the second film the humor isn't quite as strong as the first movie is. But I do have to say that overall, I still think that it's an enjoyable movie. I still had a good time watching it. Uh, most of the voice cast from the first movie returns to this one, and I think that they do a fine job. It is still a, a funny movie. It just doesn't really have quite the same amount of sharp wit and observation to it that the first movie did. And it's a little bit of a letdown, but Ultimately, I do think that overall it's still a pretty good film. Everything's somewhat awesome. <laughs> Everything is so, so on the podcast. Everything's somewhat awesome. When you're chatting with Josh and Matt. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you a little bit here in the sense that it's it's interesting because I, I definitely had a smile on my face through some of this movie. And I think the ideas that the movie is trying to get at are actually very mature and definitely will probably fly over the heads of younger audiences. I, I, I'm actually still struggling to wonder if this is a movie that's made for adults or if it's a movie made for children. Um, I, I honestly still don't know the answer to that. Because there's a ton of uh, pop culture references and adult uh, references to movies that children probably will, I hope, have not seen, like Mad Max Fury <laughs> Road, for example, that just, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting, to say the least. And I think that has to do a lot with uh, Phil Lord and uh, Chris Miller, who once again wrote the screenplay here. But yeah, Josh, you're right. The um, direction by Mike Mitchell, although it's it's good, it has its moments, 
it doesn't match the same level of creativity and energy that the first film had. I noticed that the first film had more directorial flourishes and degree of style attributed to it that really made that first film pop, where this one kind of felt like your basic animation, um, you know, like, and that's weird to say, right? Because the Lego movie has such, you know, unique animation. But I don't know, something about the direction of this movie um, – it, it it was solid, you know. It just wasn't. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and that is definitely the thing that I walked away with feeling the most about this movie is that first film. I think works so well because Lord and Miller not only wrote that screenplay, but they did direct it, and they have a really great ability to just pack the frame with jokes. Like there's jokes in the first movie that are happening in the background that you won't even notice until your second or third viewing. And that just doesn't really feel apparent here. It's more it's more reliant on the actual dialogue. And some of them are jokes that are really good, and then some of them kind of get repetitive and you lose interest in them. And I think having that visual flair being lacking this time around is what really makes this one particularly not feel as strong as the first movie did. Yeah, I mean, I, I think back to uh, the scene in 22 Jump Street where they're uh, on the drugs, and that's a live-action film that plays around with, you know, its visual style and its off-the-wall, like, animated sequences to kind of show that the mm. two lead characters are completely high and fucked up out of their minds. Um, this film doesn't have... I feel like a moment like that so much. Um, what it kind of tries to do, it I almost feel like it, it almost tries to overcompensate uh, by having a, a lot of musical numbers. Um, startlingly yes. so, I started to say to myself, like, man, this is hearkening back to like Disney animation style of the '90s for me, where there's like a new song every couple of minutes, and they're all these very, very catchy, uh, kind of generically written pop-like songs uh, that don't really have like a spark of real originality uh, to them in my opinion but just like one of the songs in the film I, and I can't remember what the heck the name of it is called but I think it's like something along the lines of uh, I think it's like called Catchy Song or something like that yeah I think it is called Catchy Song it gets stuck in your head <laughs> And there's nothing you yeah. can do about it <laughs> it does get stuck in your head but it also has a very repetitive line of this song is going to get stuck in your head. And head. <laughs> I, I, I can hear it now. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? It is a very well done song for what it is. And a lot of the songs in this movie are pretty uh, cleverly written. But at the same time, I think back to how that first movie only had one song of everything is awesome. And five years later, we're still singing it. And I don't think that any of the songs in this movie are really going to have the same kind of staying power to them. I think that these songs honestly try a little bit too hard to feel clever. And and they call attention to themselves in a way that does not feel as invigorating as that first movie had with its only song. And while I think those moments in this movie are very fun, I do ultimately feel like they will end up being a little bit more forgettable because they are so they're they're trying too hard to seem like 
you should remember them, which conversely actually makes it more forgettable to me. Yeah, like Catchy Song, I felt like was the song that was trying to do that the most by far. Um, however, I have to say, I really, really like the song that they give to Tiffany Haddish as the uh, shape-shifting, uh, you know, whatever queen, queen whatever Wanabi. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. Whatever uh, Wanabi, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how it's to say something it something like that, yeah. But I, I loved her introductory song where she's basically telling them, hey, I'm not evil, but she's singing it like in a very <laughs> evil Disney villain-esque kind of a song. I really, really got a great kick out of that, and I thought the song was catchy as hell, too. Um, I thought Tiffany Haddish, actually, in general, was a really, really great addition to the cast here. Mm. I actually am going to very much disagree with you on that. Oh, bummer. And I don't like saying that because obviously we know Tiffany Haddish is very funny and I have liked her in other projects. I thought that she was hilarious in Girls Trip like everybody else did. But to be honest, I just never really felt she came across as an authentic voice performer in this film. Everybody else, whether it's because they're actually good at doing voiceover performances or they're just familiar with these characters. They just tended to fit the role a lot better for me. And I don't know, just whenever Tiffany Haddish would have a line of dialogue, it just always felt outside of that movie to me for whatever reason. Maybe it's just me, but I could never really buy her giving an actual voiceover performance. And it just sounded like Tiffany Haddish in a recording studio to me. And I could never really get into that character, sadly. You know, okay, so like in terms of like characters that uh, I, I really could and could not get into, um, well, I really did dig Tiffany Haddish as an addition to the cast this time around. I have to say, whose idea was it to have Bruce Willis be a Lego in this movie? <laughs> uh, but you, you didn't find those moments kind of cute and charming, though. I mean, they were throwaway bits, but... I don't know. I thought whenever he showed up, it was like a throwaway gag that I kind of got a kick out of. I'm being, I'm being, no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm being facetious here. I really yeah. genuinely <laughs> did like it a lot. Um, <laughs> I like that. I like having uh, Channing Tatum as Superman again, and you know, Jason Momoa actually is the voice of Aquaman in this. Yeah, which was great when he says, "My man," <laughs> he started dying. <laughs> Oh my god, it was like th this movie has a lot of really really funny moments for sure. Um I did feel like uh, the characters that we liked from the first film like um Benny, the master uh builder who loves uh the spaceships and even Batman a little bit this time around. Um I actually kind of felt like they kind of got kind of tossed to the side a little bit. Um even though like Batman has like this whole big thing where he's like set to like marry uh, Tiffany Haddish's character in this. It, it just felt kind of odd trying to cram them all in, and I think this movie did suffer a bit from having too many characters at a certain point, which might yeah. ex which might explain why I like Lego Batman uh, so much, is because it feels a lot more centrally focused. Yeah, it, it, there is a moment when it's at the beginning of the movie, like right as the second act is about to start, and they kidnap most of the main characters that Emma then has to go follow, and that whole sequence of events just does sort of feel like they are creating the situation to arbitrarily get every character that you just happen to remember from the first movie back into this one. And, you know, as much as I did enjoy Benny from the first movie, I don't think we really needed to see him again. I don't think we needed to see 
uh, the Kitty character again. I think this should have been something a little bit more streamlined in terms of how many characters they brought on, because I think as good as, you know, uh, Charlie Day and Alison Brie and all of them are, they don't really fill a great role in this film, to be honest. And it just makes it feel like they're wasted in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really also loved, uh, Chris Pratt, uh, playing a, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't even like, like I, I I love Phil Lord and Chris Miller for coming up with shit like this. This is fantastic, an amalgamation of his roles of, of like Star Lord and Jurassic World, Magnificent Seven, like all rolled into one here as a Rex Danger Vest. Yeah, a little bit of a Snake Plissken from uh, Escape from New York kind of thrown in there too. A little oh Kurt my Russell. God. <laughs> and I love how like that was like tough guy, Chris Pratt. And then you have Emmett doing the whole like, hey, it's me, Chris Pratt. You know, and it's like not really like how Chris Pratt actually sounds. Yeah. Um, I immediately right away was like, I, I could tell it was voiced by, by Chris Pratt. And I got a great kick out of the fact that that they were just making fun of him and his on-screen movie persona so much. Um. I love that this movie is self-aware in those moments. I really, really do. And I also like, too, that it fit in with the central theme of this character and this character's journey of change and being, you know, being yourself and owning who you are, um, even if that person that you are is naive, weak, insecure, (laughs) timid, you know, and all the qualities that people might look down upon. It could also be the qualities why people ultimately love you in the end. Yeah, and what I would certainly say is, even though this movie isn't as strong as the first film overall, what I still appreciate about this film is that it does have a really nice message at the center of it, much like the first one did. And I think that is the one uh, consistent quality from the first and the second film that is maintained here. And I really do like that this movie, when it comes down to it, is preaching this message of understanding that things within you that are going to be challenging for other people, you kind of need to own that, like you said, and you need to accept that those are things that you need to reconcile with in order to evolve and to grow as a person. And I think that is a good message to have in this movie. Um, I think it is conveyed a little bit more uh, over the top, not as subtle as the first movie did, but ultimately it's still a nice message to have in the film. Yeah, yeah. And I also like that... Okay, so like, yeah, you know, the movie kind of lays its cards out on the table right away that these are kids playing with Legos. It it almost feels like Toy Story at times, actually, uh, to me in many ways. And the movie right off the bat now has that right from the onset, unlike the first film where that was, like I said, a third act reveal. And it was like, oh, now I know why the Craggle is called the Craggle and like, you know, why he's called president of business and like everything sort of makes sense now. And it was like kind of this aha moment that made the movie uh, that much more memorable. This film had a tougher act to f- uh, follow here because now you have to kind of play. You, you, you can't you can't play that card this time around. So they have to make the story and the character work strong. Now, I think with Emmett's character, like we just said, the character work there is very strong. The storyline of this sister played by uh, Brooklyn Prince, a welcome sight for us all after the Florida project. Um, she comes in with her toys 
And the whole movie is basically like her toys are coming into her older brother's Lego world and they're seen as the quote unquote enemy of the macho tough guy brothers toys. And I'm like reading into this, I think like a little too much in the very early beginning. Like I'm like, is this a sexist thing? Is this a like uh enemies need to like make peace with their enemies is this like a like a like a freaking foreign religion thing going on here like <laughs> like what is like what's the message here you know uh, is this like a democrats versus republican thing like i like i i was thinking about this maybe a little too hard <laughs> you know yeah I, I didn't really go that deep into it i think that i i don't know to me i think you could definitely read that into it if you wanted to but ultimately I think just trying to get along with your sibling, <laughs> which which I which it. like for kids, I I'm perfectly okay with boiling it down to that simplistic of a message. But as an adult, I I wanted just something a little bit more out of it, and I I have to say I did like this idea of, um, uh, you know, in the early in the early goings at least of how like this world was brooding and dark and you know, very masculine and tough. And here are the stars and rainbows and happy faces and sunshine of the little sister. And I I did kind of get like this feminist, sexist, like almost like message that kind of almost came through and how like, you know, that needs to be more so embraced uh, by this toxic masculine culture. Um, But then again, yeah, it kind of just all boils down to the kid just has to fucking let just learn to play with his sister. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, I, I wish it was more. I did wish it went a little bit deeper. <laughs> I mean, it could have gone a little bit deeper, but I think that for what the movie wants to accomplish, I think that's a perfectly fine message to have. And one of the things that I like that it does with that is it has this showcase of things that you might think are that have this evil intention behind it or this ulterior motive really isn't there. And it might be just something of, your own creation and recognizing that within yourself is something that you need to understand when you have a relationship with a family member or a sibling or whoever that needs to grow and evolve into the point where you can get along together. I think that's still a nice message to have. I mean, it almost sounds like, uh, you know, if you want to like relate it to the Emmett character and how, um, you know, Rex Danger Vest is kind of like his manifestation of his doubt and insecurity, you know, you can you can almost look at it from that standpoint of um, from a, from a maturity standpoint, you know, growing up and learning to confront uh, issues such as doubt and insecurity, something that you don't really so much maybe think of and so in depth when you're a child. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I'm trying too hard, aren't I? <laughs> well, it's also sort of interesting because the first movie almost has. Not the reverse message, but the first movie really does have a a theme about it that is about embracing the creativity that you used to have as a child that went away and became more rigid as you got older. Right. And this one is about, okay, you sort of have that connectivity, but you also need to understand that as you get older, relationships and things in your life are going to change and you need to learn how to evolve with those changes so it's a nice sort of inverse to what the first movie is doing it's not done quite as effectively but it is interesting to see them go through that uh, kind of a change in the second film yeah 
Yeah. Uh, what'd you think of, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of actually annoying that it's so clear that Will Farrell was not a part of this movie and they just had to do lines, uh, in, in probably a voice recording or maybe remotely or something because he doesn't show up in the movie at all. And his uh, role as Lord business is reduced to pretty much nothing here. Um, I'm curious yeah. what you thought of then the substitute, so to speak, of having Maya Rudolph as the uh, children's mother uh, and and her moment when she appeared on screen. What did you think of that? Oh, well, well, you are right that it is very apparent that Will Ferrell probably recorded his lines on his phone and emailed them in. Like he, he's barely in this movie. Um, I adore Maya Rudolph. So. Obviously, for me, her scene was, I think, the funniest thing in the film. She has one particular joke about stepping on a Lego that I think is the funniest thing in the movie. Uh, I won't ruin it here. And to be honest with you, when I was talking before about how I didn't really think Tiffany Haddish was all that good in this film, I think that that character should have been played by Maya Rudolph. Because not only do I think Maya Rudolph is more capable of giving a good voice performance – But I think it would have been thematically similar to what the first movie was doing in which this parental figure is standing in for this kind of villainous idea that needs to confront those uh, issues going on and and evolve. I think that had Maya Rudolph as the mother character kind of imprinting this message on her children that they need to get along, actually being somebody that is trying to engineer people to get along with with each other, but constantly under this guise of suspicion as to whether or not that is a good thing or not, like a child would believe, would have made also more sense for that character as well. So I think Maya Rudolph is really great in her one scene, but I would have loved to have seen her in more of this movie because I love her to death. Yeah, I I actually wasn't a fan of it. Oh. It's funny how opposite we are on this. Yeah. I, I, I didn't like it. I thought it was way too cartoony. Um I also don't like how the live action scenes are shot. Uh, Ivor, it just really looks completely uncinematic to me, and it looks flat and boring, and it just completely takes me out of the movie when we're in this very lush and visually realized world of the Legos. So all of that, everything dealing like in the real world, the human stuff, I, I really do not like it. And I just want to make one comment on the whole Armageddon uh, thing. In the first film, when you have terms like that, and we don't know the reveal yet that they are Legos being played with by humans, um, you hear stuff like that, and it just sounds weird, and you're like, I'm not really sure if I'm like getting what's going on, but okay, I'm like going along for the ride. This time around, like they're saying our mom getting, and it's like the first five minutes in, I'm like, yeah, okay, at 5.15, the mom's going to come home from work, and she's going to see that they're playing with the Legos, and she's going to tell them that they have to throw them away. Like I, I could very easily telegraph how this movie was going to go this time around and once again the surprise factor just wasn't there and the script did not really wow me like the first one did this time around um it has its moments of fun it is funny at times some of the jokes land pretty well like i said bruce willis i mean (laughs) that was freaking fantastic (laughs) but ultimately uh, this one just rang a little bit more hollow for me and it wasn't as God, pun. It wasn't as awesome. Uh, with that said, final thoughts, great out of 10, Oscar potential. Josh, any final thoughts on the Lego Movie 2, the second part? Uh, I think we have pretty much summarized it 
uh, well throughout this entire review in that it's a good movie, but ultimately it is nowhere near as uh, clever and as entertaining as the first movie is. It does have some funny moments to it, but having gone through the first movie and being surprised at everything that it was talking about, this one just does not measure up. Everything is just sort of down a couple uh, couple notches, but that doesn't mean that there aren't some good things about it. I do think most of the songs are good, even though they don't reach the heights of everything is awesome. Most of the voice performances are also pretty solid, and you're going to have a good time with it, I think. You're just not going to have as good a time as you had with the first movie. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really have any other final thoughts, I guess, because um, I think we covered pretty much everything at that point. Um, you know, I'm sure there's something that somebody's probably thinking of right now and they're like, just say it already. And I, I, I can't think of it. I didn't I didn't actually write notes down during this movie, which I, which, you know, always bums me out sometimes. But I think we did a pretty good job. I think we hit the nail on the head here. So uh, grade. What grade would you give it? Um, I think I would ultimately give it a 7 out of 10, which to me is like that spot of it's a good movie, I can recommend it, but it doesn't cross over into something that's truly special. It's just a good film that you will enjoy, but that's about all that you'll get from it. Would you say it's not the special? <laughs> I would not say it is the special. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god. I, I came prepared with puns and jokes, alright? Just to show everyone how lame I am. Uh, 7 out of 10 for me as well, because once again I am lame and I am gonna just fall in line with you on this. Um, it's a it's a solid 7 out of 10 uh, movie, but it's, yeah, I, I, I wish, I wish, because I felt like the potential really was there. And I have to say, too, even with this screenplay, I don't know if having Phil Lord and Chris Miller direct it would have made a difference. I still think I would I, this would still be a 7 out of 10 movie for me, um, which is something interesting to question. Yeah, probably, but I think that we would have at least gotten a little bit more, visually speaking, that could have pushed it a little bit further, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, I guess now the easy answer in discussing the film's Oscar potential is it doesn't have a shot in hell at Best Animated Feature, right? Oh, absolutely not. That was the first thing I thought walking out of it. Because not only have none of the Lego movies been nominated for the Oscar, but I would venture to guess that this movie has, what, twice as much live-action footage as the first movie did? Yeah. And there is, if, if that dinged the first movie, there is absolutely no way that the second movie is going to get nominated. Yeah, I, I'd like to think that, like, with uh, you know, that that's what hurt the first film. And then what hurt Lego Batman was a combination of early release date and the fact that you could make the argument that it was this children's superhero movie thing and they just didn't take it seriously enough, you know? Which is all the yeah. more reason why Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse getting in this year is, like, so freaking awesome. Um, yeah. Because there was a real chance that, that could have missed. <laughs> yeah, I think another thing that hurt um, the Lego Batman movie was that a couple months later, the Lego Ninjago movie came out, which was far inferior, and I think people probably weren't in the mood to reward another Lego movie if that was the last one they saw. Yeah, yeah. Now, the field could be weak, uh, you know, once again this year. Um, It has been weak the last two years or so, give or take. 
And, you know, I don't want to write it off completely, right? Yeah, maybe we should. Well, one thing to consider is that the rules for nominating the animated features have changed since the first movie came out. This is true. Yeah, this is very true. It is quite possible that because it is opened up to everybody now, that the more popular movie can get in certainly is possible, but I, I think I would need to wait and see how the other animated field uh, shapes up because you know what? We might get some more of the foreign stuff that comes in and that might have some champions too. So if this was the old system, I would say definitely not. It's got a little bit more of a chance now, but I would still say it's pretty slim. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you on that. I, I don't want to write it off completely, but I'll tell you this much. I'm not putting it in my early predictions for five. That's for sure. I'll put it in my, t- I'll put it in my 10, but it's in the bottom five. <laughs> yeah. So it's this is definitely not <laughs> – I'm not making this mistake again, <laughs> you know? You know, I, maybe one of the songs can sneak in. That could be a possibility. Which one do you think they would go for? You think they would go for catchy song? I would imagine they would go for catchy song, but I would prefer the, the villain song. I can't remember what the name of it is, but I would prefer that one over catchy song. I, I really, really like that a lot. I, that's why I started to wonder if – Maybe that's why Tiffany Haddish was cast was because she does sing that song and the other song that she has with Batman. She she does them very well. Yeah, they're they're good songs and she she's okay. I, you're just in the camp of supporting her in this movie a little bit more than I am. That's fair. Yeah. Well, in any event, though, uh, with that said, both of us seven out of ten. Both of us weak on its Oscar prospects for best anime feature, but we're not writing it out just yet. And both of us do recommend the movie, although slighter degree of recommendation from the first film overall. Josh, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at JR Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of The Lego Movie 2, the second part here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and newly on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Write something. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate any feedback that you can give us. And if you're going to give us feedback, rate us five stars, please. It helps for people to discover the show, which is very, very vitally important. And if you're feeling generous after all of that, head on over to our Patreon page, where for $1 minimum a month, you get some exclusive podcast content, including our review of the first Lego movie, which we just did a few days ago. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time.